You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. Good morning. Oh man, you're wondering who I am. You're like, what is happening in this? My name is Jeremy and I'm actually the senior pastor of Renovation Church. And one of the reasons you haven't seen me a lot before is because when we did this adventure of uh, The Edge joining us, I really, as we put Joe in as the local lead pastor and Matt as teaching pastor, I really wanted you guys to get to know them the most. Um, But Matt today is actually doing an outreach at the Cliffs. I was like, there you go, Matt, come on. And, uh, And so I had the privilege of being with you guys. Normally I'm in Simpsonville, but I, again, just love being here first service, and I'm excited to be spend, spending time with you guys second service, and I hope actually in the future to be with you guys a little bit more now that this is getting a little bit more established. But anyway, that's who I am, and it truly is an honor to be with you. Uh, today is kind of a standalone Sunday. Um, next week, both campuses, or really both places, are going to be starting a new series called Disconnected, and both Matt and I are excited about where the Lord is leading us in those messages. But um, if you have your Bibles, actually, turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. I'm gonna be there in a while. I'm not gonna be there immediately, so you can, the rest of the verses are gonna be on the screen. I wanna just, listen, I wanna just tell you something about who you are, and if you're visiting with us, thank you for hanging with us, but one of the things that I, especially when I see all the things that God is doing here in Greenville at this church, um, is that three-fourths of this church is involved serving somewhere, and in church world, that is a really high number of people who are serving to make church a better place. We have people serving in all the areas to make church happen, but three-fourths, 75% of this church is serving in some capacity. And I can't tell you how awesome that is, and I honor you, church, for being amazing. I don't know, there's people in this room that I see you. I know you have put in crazy hours. You're doing things to make uh, this church a better place, and I want to commend you and thank you for that, and I honor you. The next thing I want to do is, Laura Beth mentioned earlier in announcements, say, hey, listen, we have a women's conference. Um, that's at our Simpsonville church, and that's this coming weekend, and it's going to be awesome. My wife was up early this morning working on that conference. And I'm just really excited about what God's going to do. And if you want to find a way to connect with ladies, I invite you to come to that conference. All right, I want to dive into my standalone message this morning. The title of my message is simply this, you will find it. You will find it. And I want to start off with actually a passage of scripture. This is Jesus talking. And he says this, he's talking about life. And this is where we get the the message title, you will find it. He says this, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. This is the challenging passage of scripture. Now, listen, I completely understand. Number one, let me just say this. I grew up overseas. My parents are missionaries. I've lived in seven countries. And um, one of the awesome things that I love about the church and Christians is that in all the places that I've lived, whenever you open up the Bible to read it, whether it's in Spanish whether it's in English, whether it's in Cantonese, whether it's in Swahili, you name it. Whenever you open up the Bible, the language might be different. The culture you're reading the Bible in might be different. But what's always the same is Jesus. He's always the same. And, and as you guys maybe have made a decision to be able to follow Jesus, you've made Jesus there. We are looking at Jesus to tell us how to live our life, what best things to do, and how to make our life make the most sense. So even though you normally don't see me, 
I want you to know that what's beautiful about the church is you made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision to follow Jesus. And when we look at him, he's the same. And he gives us this opening statement. I mean, this, this, this is the opening verse for this, but this statement that says this, if you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. And then he says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose their soul? But he says, if you want to find life, you will find it if you give your life away. Now, I know you are perfect. You don't do anything wrong ever. You say the right things at the right time. You are holy. In fact, you're so holy, you can't even take a bath because the water divides down the middle. Dry ground. You're just righteous. You, you commune with angels. And you, like, you go into the third heaven with Paul. I mean, you experience the fullness. I'm not. And can I be just bluntly honest with you? The, the older I get, the more, realize, the more I realize that I'm kind of a selfish person. In fact, I'm not kind of a selfish person. I am a selfish person. And so when I hear Jesus, the God that I believe in, make a statement that says, do you want to find life? Now listen, everybody in this room wants to find life. All of us. Who's going to wake up and say, I don't want to find life. All of us want to find life. Jesus says you will find it if you give your life away. And it goes against the very nature of the things that I, why? Because I'm, I can only think of me. I, I'm expert at thinking about myself. And so this challenges me to the core of who I am. And I'm like, wait a second, you have to give up stuff. What is this all about? And that is a very difficult thing to do. Now, I want you to just mention this too. A lot of, sometimes we live, by the way, if you didn't know, shocking. I think we live in a very selfish time in a very selfish place. Everything is about you. I grew up old school, before social media. I know that's crazy to remember, those, like dinosaurs roamed the earth and it was before that stuff happened. Back when you had film cameras, y'all remember film cameras? I don't think I saw anyone with a film camera do a selfie, I'm sure that happened somewhere. But y'all, like the idea is, and by the way, I'm not against selfies, like take all the selfies in the whole world. But we currently live in a time where it's all about how we look, all about how we are, and it is really selfish. And in our current selfish world, Jesus stands and he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, do you wanna find life? Well, yeah, we wanna find life. Then he says, stop being selfish. Here's a, here's a, I thought about this often. You see, the Bible says, what are the two greatest commands in all the world? The two greatest commands are love God and love people. That's Jesus talking, by the way. Now, have you ever asked yourself what's the opposite of love? I mean, I don't know if you have or not, but... At first, you might be, well, the opposite of love might be hate, right? Like you hate someone so much. But I don't know that hate is actually the opposite of love. And then you might say, well, maybe indifference is the opposite of love. I would argue that the opposite of love is actually selfishness. Think about the most selfish people you've ever met or hung out with. They can't see past themselves. They, they only see this. And so because of their only, so they're so inward focused, Typically, very selfish people have very few good relationships. And that's a hard truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. Why don't you connect with people? Because all you think about, you can't seem to get out of your own way and thinking about you. And Jesus comes to you and I, and you know what he says? He says, listen, if you want life, like you actually want to experience how life is meant to be felt and lived, stop being selfish. And in the world you and I live in, it preaches the opposite of that. And I think it's this, amazing thing that Jesus starts off with being selfish. Now, I came across this illustration a couple of years ago, and I relate to it because I have a daughter. I have a 12-year-old, get ready to be 21, actually, 13. I have a nine-year-old, and I have a four-year-old. But uh, this illustration is about a girl who was shopping with her mom, 
And she went to the store and while they were shopping for stuff, she found herself in the toy aisle. And while she was on the toy aisle, she saw this beautiful necklace that was plastic and you know not very expensive. And she tugged on her mom's shirt. She said, mom, can I please get this necklace? And um, mom said, well, sweetie, you know, do you have any money? She goes, I don't have any money, mom. I want you to buy me the necklace. And the mom said, well, why don't we go home? We'll come up with some chores. So you can do this. You can earn the money. And if you want to buy the necklace, you can come back and get it. So they went home, found some chores. She began doing the chores. And after a while, she got the money so she could go and buy her necklace. And went to the store. This little girl got the necklace. She opened it up. She wore it. She was, thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. She thought she was just gorgeous wearing the necklace. At night when she went to bed, her dad, who was a good man, would tuck her in, would kiss her in the forehead, would pray with her. And when she first got the necklace, she's wearing it. She's going to bed and, and she's gonna be wearing it when she's going to bed. And he asked her before he leaves, he said, sweetie, that's a beautiful necklace you have. Do you mind giving daddy your necklace? She's like, I'm not giving you my necklace. I earned this necklace. I bought this. He said, okay, that's fine. He gets up, walks out. Next night, same thing. She, he says, do you want to give daddy your necklace? She goes, no, I don't, I don't want to give you the necklace. And he's like, that's fine. And it goes on like this for weeks. Sweetie, do you want to give daddy your necklace? Finally, one night when he walks in there, he can tell that she's been crying and she has tears in her eyes and she's holding the necklace in her hands. And she says, daddy, you've been asking me to give you this necklace now for a while. Finally, I've made the decision. You can have my necklace. And he says, oh, thank you, sweetie. And he takes it in his hands and he gets up and he walks out. She's like, what the heck just happened? Jerk, dad, just took my prized possession and got the heck out of here. Not long after, dad comes back in and he's holding a box, and it's a jewelry box. And he opens up the jewelry boxes and inside is a beautiful necklace that's real, that's been in the family for generations. And he looks at her and he says, sweetie, because you trusted me with this, I want you to know that this necklace is gonna be your necklace. When you're old enough to take care of this, it's gonna be yours. This is for you. And she looked at that and she was blown away. That illustration is simple. But what I want you to get out of it is this. Jesus says, do you want life? Of course, everyone wants life. But few people are actually willing to actually do what Jesus said to actually find it. Jesus said life is only found if you stop being a selfish person and you give your life away. That's, what, that's where life is found. And by the way, there's a lot of people who, who say, well, I believe in Jesus, but you live a very selfish life. And so... People have said, well, I don't get anything out of Christianity. Well, of course you don't because you haven't done what Jesus said to do. If you want life, stop just thinking about you the entire time and actually give your life away. And when you do that, the Bible says, guess what? You will find it. It's incredible what happens. Now, what I wanna do is, the reason I put that verse in there is I wanna actually look at the Lord's Prayer real quick. I'm gonna do it from the King James. And I'm not gonna do a deep dive, but what I wanna do is focus on the last phrase that Jesus uses on the Lord's Prayer. We just finished a prayer series. Y'all just finished a prayer series. We just finished a prayer series. But this isn't about prayer. This is about something else. But I'm gonna use, you're gonna see what I, how, how, how this goes for us. But in this model prayer that Jesus prays, there are some incredible phrases that Jesus uses. And I'm gonna do this. So I'm gonna actually start by reading the Lord's Prayer in the King James from the very beginning. Jesus is modeling what prayer is for us, and he starts off and he says this, and he says, you can pray in this way, ready? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So let me just say this, this is really cool by the way. We just did this whole thing over, over in Simpsonville. Jesus says, our Father which art in heaven. And typically when you and I read this, we think, well, our Father, our God, the Father, after Jesus is resurrected in the Gospel of John, you know what Jesus says? 
go and tell, my, my, go tell, tell the disciples that I am going to my God and your God, that I'm going to my Father and your Father. Jesus didn't come just to save us from our sins. Jesus came to redeem it so you and I would go to his Father and have truth and relationship with him. It's one of the most beautiful things. So when it says our Father, it's not just you and I's Father. Our Father is Jesus' Father. I think it's beautiful. And then it says this, hallowed be his name. Hallowed simply means set apart. And what that means is, is that God is set apart, ready? From all evil that's out there. All evil that would come against you, his name is set apart because God does not do evil. Now, he's a sovereign God, he's sovereign, but he doesn't do that. And so he's set apart. And then it keeps going, ready? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to, we've probably, you probably read this and known this for a long time, but Jesus models what prayer is and he says this, thy kingdom come and ready, thy will be done. Those of us that admit that we're selfish, this is a hard phrase to read. Because most of us, if we're selfish, we would say, God, my will be done and you make my will happen. After all, you're God. You gotta make this whole situation work. If you're single and dating someone, you say, Lord, let thy will be for me to marry this person. Thy will be done for me to get this thing. And listen, God wants us to ask for things. He actually cares about our needs. But what Jesus models is for his will to be done. And this is really, really, really important. So thy will be done. Okay, God, you over anything else. And then he keeps going, ready? And I could do, I did entire messages on each phrase, but here he goes. Give us this day our daily bread. That's talking about how God provides for our needs every single day. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he ends the prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. By the way, prayer essentially, Jesus models it. He starts prayer with praise. He ends the prayer with praise. And in the middle, it's petition. He's asking God for stuff. Do you want to know? In the series you guys just did with prayer, Matt did an incredible job. He's a phenomenal speaker. Awesome communicator, awesome pastor. Prayer essentially is praise God's name, spend time asking God for stuff, and end by praising his name. But this last phrase, for thine is the kingdom. There's something here that I want to use for us. Ready? I wanna share a couple of thoughts about who we are as a church, not just Renovation Greenville, but who we are as a church as a whole. I'm gonna start off by saying this. We believe as a church that it's about his kingdom. Jesus ends the prayer by saying, thy kingdom. Now, this is a huge deal for us. Now, if you're visiting with us, you're like, well, you know, where we are. We have two locations. We have this location, and we're also in Simpsonville. And Renovation Church started all the way back in October of 2014, that feels like a thousand years ago, by the way. That feels way long time ago. We started in the theater in Simpsonville, and I have some pictures. I wanna show you how we first started our, our, our stuff. This is us, this is the lobby of the theater. It'll be up in just a second. It will be up in just, there we go, all right, whew. In Simpsonville, the IMAX. And one of the things that you need to know is that when we launched Renovation Church, we had no resources at all. We had to scrap stuff together. It was the biggest step of faith you could possibly imagine. We truly had nothing. And so we scrapped together, buying this sign. The reason I took a picture of it, because I'm like, I can't believe we bought a sign. I'm like, this is amazing. Look at us. And then, I'll show you another picture, coffee. Um, you got to make sure people stay awake during the preacher, because if not, you don't know what preacher it's going to be. I had, I, my wife and I were missionaries in Nicaragua for a couple of years, and we had this service, and we had this 
older gentleman who came to our service and uh, <laughs> he would fall asleep every time I preached, which was awesome and really encouraging. And he would sit on the front row and this is legit. This has nothing to do with anything, but it's just, anyway. He fell asleep and was snoring so loud during one of my messages that he woke himself up. He was like, oh, and forgot where he was. Anyway, really encouraging to me. I'm like, man, I'm laying it on good tonight. My man right there, thank you, all right. Actually, he was a sweet, he was a sweet, he was a sweet old guy. But coffee, I'll show you one more picture. This is the setup and tear, some tear up and tear down crew. You can see in the back, towards the back, uh, towards you, the back left of the picture. That right there is a Mr. John Dickerson, who today is helping lead our safety team here in this location. This is the very beginning of our church. And you have to know something, that this was like, when I say we had nothing, we, we didn't have, we had no, like, no money. This was a complete faith move. And somewhere when Renovation Church launched, when we first started, we're in the theater, we didn't have anything, it was other churches in the area that came and said, hey, what do you guys need? We said, everything. We need everything. And a church that was like just a couple blocks from the theater where we were, they said, well, we can offer you some stuff. Do you guys need some speakers and equipment? We said, 100%. So a church not far down from where we were lent us speakers, equipment to be able to run because we didn't just have the adult. We're in the theater, by the way. In the theater, we put the kids and the teenagers in their own theaters and we had their own services. And by the way, the advantage of the theater is A, it smells like popcorn, and B, sometimes people came in thinking it was a movie, but it ended up being church. No joke, when the first Star Wars came out, a guy came in and stayed for service and he thought it was Star Wars. And we're like, all right, this is awesome. Every once in a while, theater music would come in the background, and that was a little awkward, but awesome stuff. But we had four services. We didn't have speakers for any of them, except a church right down the road lent us equipment for almost a year to run every single Sunday service for kids, for students. I mean, it was incredible. And then they gave us a trailer that we could pack the stuff in. We didn't have a dime and God opened the door. By how? By another church that was down the road that did it for us. Then when we launched, we didn't have our, we didn't have our, our papers done yet. So we had another church say, how can we help you? We said, well, we need some help in the accounting stuff. You know, we have people coming. We began to grow. It was pretty incredible. And so this church opened up their accounting for us, and we were able to use this church's accounting so that our church could function. These are not churches way far away. These are churches right close to where we started. And then another church down the road, they had this entire wing. They had a school in their school clothes, and they said, hey, could you use this space for anything? We said, absolutely. And so we started a preschool. The name of the church was called Bethlehem Baptist, which is in between Fountain Inn and Simpsonville. So we named our preschool Little Town, because Little Town at Bethlehem. Oh, that's so sweet. Those little boogers can just run around. So three churches in our very area opened up, and that's how... That's how you want to know how renovation came to be here? When we had nothing, other churches, why? Because we believe we saw God's kingdom at work. Jesus says, stop living selfish lives. If you want to find life, you have to look beyond yourself. And Jesus ends his prayer by saying this, and this is so vital to Christianity, your kingdom, God, it's about his kingdom. And here's what happens. If you're a Christian, you made the decision to be able to follow Jesus, you have to understand that God is currently right now at work in his kingdom, moving things and doing things. And here's the thing. When we realize that we can be, become part of God's kingdom, it's no longer just about us. Now it becomes about God. 
and what he is doing and how he is working and what he wants to try and do and accomplish. Let me put it to you another way, ready? When we embrace this different way of thinking, our default setting changes from what about me to what about God. And, and lovingly, let me tell you something, ready? God does not revolve around you. He loves you, he wants to meet your needs, he cares for you. We revolve around him. And so no wonder we can't find life because all we're trying to do is make God revolve around us. But that was never intended to be the way it works. It was always intended that we would look at God and say, wow, you are the only one worthy to be praised. And the way that God does this is he works in his kingdom and he gets us to think differently about these things. And by the way, selfishness is not a problem just for today. Jesus' own closest followers, do you know what they argued about? Which one of them was the most important one at the table? Let me show you some verses. These are the disciples, the very men who helped launch the church. I want you to see Luke 9, 46, ready? Then his disciples began arguing about which one of them was greatest. I mean, by the way, this is a funny side note, but John, the, the, the one who wrote the gospel of John, he doesn't refer to himself by name in his own gospel. Do you know how he refers to himself? He's the disciple with whom Jesus loved. So already, I can't call myself by name, but I want you to know I am the one that Jesus loved. The most, probably, out of my three kids, my daughter keeps telling us that she's our, she's our favorite. She's our favorite. We keep saying, you're our favorite girl. We have two other boys. John's like, I'm the greatest. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you another passage, and I want you to see Jesus here. Ready? Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. By the way, the same stuff happens today in our world, doesn't it? Just different stuff. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over the people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. By the way, a lot of people say Jesus is a great teacher. I'm telling you right now, the world you and I live in says the greatest is the greatest. Jesus said the opposite. The greatest is the servant. That's what Jesus said. And the leader should become like a servant. Verse 27, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course. What he's saying is this, in our world, the most important one is the one who sits at the table. That gets the attention, that gets the honor and the privilege. But Jesus then says, but not here, not among us. We are followers of Jesus. And Jesus tells us, it's not about who the most important one is. Stop being selfish. He says, it's being a servant. And then Jesus says, for I am among you as one who serves. The Jesus who tells us not to be selfish gave his own life away at the cross. This is life-changing. So how come we don't get the most out of Christianity? How come we don't see the most out of things? Why? Because we live selfishly. But when we begin to think differently, when we begin to realize, God, you have a kingdom that's at work and things work together. By the way, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, thy kingdom come. That seems like a future thing. One day God's kingdom's gonna come. I'm here to tell you, kingdom simply means the king's dominion. Jesus, 129 times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said, talked about his kingdom. And then he said this, the kingdom is already here. The kingdom's already here. Why? Because the king already came. And I'm here to tell you something. God's kingdom is still as powerful today as it ever has been. And God is not done working. And you and I, if you made a decision to follow him, guess what? We are part of his kingdom. 
And now we have to think differently. Stop living selfishly and engage. We're so focused on what about me, what about me? Jesus says, it's not about you. Let me show you what I am doing. And when we dive into this, we say, wait a second, God, you're doing a ton of stuff. By the way, do you know how powerful God's kingdom is? When it started 2,000 years ago, there were some mighty powerful nations back then. All of those nations lie in ruin. Some of them you wouldn't even be able to find anymore. But 2,000 years later, the church is in more countries and in more languages than it ever has been because his kingdom's on the move. And God is not done. And he's still active and he's alive and he's working. And he invites you and I to be part of this. So when you think about what Renovation Church is, now let me just, when we had the privilege of going from one location in Simpsonville to two locations, Simpsonville and Greenville, we had a lot of ways that we could do this. A lot of churches, you know, if you've been to multi, like multiple site churches, they, they, they have the video screen. And by the way, that's awesome. A lot of those churches do phenomenal with the video screen. But we haven't done video screen here. I, you don't see my face piping through. Hey, church. The reason we didn't do that is not because those churches, that do, that's awesome. Like, God bless those churches. I really mean that. But the reason you have no idea who I am is because... We believe in the kingdom. Now, let me explain this. When God opened the door for this to be a location, we didn't call this a campus. Joe, who's the local lead pastor here, we didn't call him campus pastor. We called him local lead pastor. The reason you don't know me is because I wanted them to be the leaders of this place, and they are. They're doing it. Listen, y'all are knocking it out. But this is a church, not a campus. We're not one church with two locations. Do you know what we are? We're two churches with the same heart. The reason why we have this strategy, do you know why this matters to us? Because we believe in God's kingdom. And do you know what I realized? How awesome it would be, instead of having one church, two locations, what if we have two churches with the same heart that believes in his kingdom in such a way where we look across at each other and we love each other? I know it sounds crazy. We don't fight over who's the biggest. We don't fight over who has the most. We don't care about anything like that. What we care about is, God, what are you doing and how are you doing it and how can we be part of that? And so God opens up this door. Right now, there's a service happening in Simpsonville and I'm not there. I have my privilege of being here. Next week, I'll be back in Simpsonville and then I hope to be in Greenville more. But do you know what's happening? God's kingdom's on the move. So Jesus ends the prayer, his kingdom. Let me, let me tell you the next phrase, ready? We believe it's about his kingdom, but here's the next phrase through his power. It's through his power. Acts chapter one, remember I asked you to turn there if you could. I'm gonna read in Acts one, starting in verse one. Jesus has resurrected from the dead and he's getting ready to ascend back to the father. And we're gonna read in verse one. And these verses are not gonna be on the screen. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the very day he was taken up into heaven. By the way, this is Luke who wrote this. He wasn't a disciple, by the way. He wasn't one of the 12. And uh, he also wrote the book of Acts. Um, and then, sorry, in verse two, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. By the way, the greatest example of giving up your life and finding it, right there. He gave up his life, and do you know what happened? He was fully alive. Anyway, but this is the next part. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So think about this. 
Jesus spends 40 days after he resurrects and he's got his followers with him. What is the one subject that he talks to them about over and over and over again? The kingdom of God. Because they were always fighting. Who's the most important one here? Stop worrying about who the most important one is. Let me tell you about my kingdom. My kingdom is moving. We're working. We're doing. And then you're part of it. So for 40 days, he injects them. My kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. I would tell you the same thing. His kingdom is still here. And you, get a, you and I get a chance to be part of it. But I'm going to skip down to verse 7 in Acts chapter 1. Then he replied to them, Jesus answering their question about when he's going to work in Israel. But he replied to them, the father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. By the way, and this has nothing to do, have you ever asked God to explain what's going on, and he just says, it's not for you to know? Or who's ever asked God to explain things, and God is like, there's something sometimes about God, by the, let me tell you, you know why that is sometimes? If God came and gave you a five-year plan for your life, you would take the five-year plan and do it on your own. That's me. Give me my five-year plan, I'll do it. The reason why God doesn't explain things is because he wants you to trust him. And if he explained everything, you would trust the plan, you wouldn't trust him. And so he doesn't explain it. He's like, hey guys, it's not time for you to know, but let's keep going. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, in Greenville, in Simpsonville, and even in Traveler's Rest or tailors, that's right there in the Greek, you can read it, and to the ends of the earth. It's about his kingdom through his power. In the Lord's Prayer, I love it, Jesus comes, you have the Father, and then you have the King, who's Jesus, and then the end, it says, through his power. Where did the power come from? I believe wholeheartedly the power comes through the Holy Spirit. It says there in Acts 1, it's by his power that comes into our life. When we started Renovation Church, we didn't have two pennies to rub together, and we started in the theater. And in my heart, I always wanted to be a church that we were generous with missions. And so let me just give you an example of what we do. You, I want you to know what we do as a church for missions. We give 10% of our budget away in missions. And in fact, at the end of the year, we typically write some pretty awesome checks to some different organizations. We have missionaries. So this last trip that went down to Honduras, one of the ladies working down there, his name is Joy Ruffner. Joy Ruffner... You know what she did for years in Simpsonville? She worked as a kids worker in our Simpsonville area and she set up a meeting. She goes, Pastor, I wanna meet with you. And I said, that'd be awesome. Joy Ruffner comes in my office and sits and she goes, I feel called to serve God full time, but I'm not married, I've never been married. And I was told one time that I can't serve him if I'm not married. And she was like weeping because I wanna go. I said, Joy, I will save that right now. You don't have to be married to serve God. If he is calling you, then you can go. And she immediately, that broke. And you know what happened? We prayed for Joy. We sent Joy out. Now we, Renovation Church, us, we support Joy on a monthly basis in Honduras. And the team that was just down there worked with Joy to be able to do stuff with House of Hope and the stuff that's being sold back there. Then we all support another missionary. His name is Dan Quigley. He lives in Nicaragua. And my wife and I launched one by one. We started an organization. Dan is currently leading that organization. We support, Dan is one of the wildest people you will ever meet in your life. That kid is nuts, man. I mean, nuts. And he's down there doing incredible things. We support him. We support, this is true, this is real. There, there is a, a, an organization that when there's battles and crisis throughout the world, when people are fleeing nations, this organization sends Christian missionaries into those places. But they don't just send anybody, they send ex-military from our government. So we support a couple named Blake and Sammy. Blake is a Navy SEAL for like 13 years. 
a sniper and a medic. He's smaller than I thought he'd be in person. And when we went to lunch, I was like, I think I can take him. I got you. What's up? You want some? You want some? Uh huh. Sniper and a medic. And Blake and his wife Sammy have four little girls. We support them on a monthly basis. They move their family to Thailand. And whenever there's a conflict that breaks out in the world, when people are fleeing the country, they go to it. Last year, the debacle in Afghanistan, when our country left, when people were fleeing, Blake packed up his bags and went to Afghanistan. He's been into Syria. He's been into parts of Africa. He's been in parts of Asia. When conf- you know the longest running civil war in the history of our world is in Burma, Myanmar? That's where they started. When gunfire's going off, they go in. We support them on a monthly basis. It's incredible what God's doing. And then we support House of Hope on a monthly basis. And, and, and then actually, we support one by one. We give on a monthly basis, every month, $10,000 to missions. We spend more money on missions than we do on the mortgage here and the mortgage in Simpsonville combined. And when we first started renovation, when it first started, it was these steps of faith. We didn't have two pennies to row together. I would have never guessed in my wildest dreams that in less than eight years, we would have two locations and we were giving away all this money overseas. How is it possible? It's not possible because of me. It's possible because of God. When you live for his kingdom, he empowers you and gives you his strength. He's the one who gives you these things. And when he gives you these things, he enables you to do these incredible things. And Ephesians 3, if you read that, you see that God is able to do infinitely more. My point is this. If you want the fullness of life, you have to give it away. How do you give it away? By living for God's kingdom through his power. You know, you can be a plumber but still serve in his church. You can be an attorney and still serve in his church. We have doctors in Simpsonville who are serving in our kids' area. We have a dentist who helps in the, our kids go, whoa, and then in the week, they're a dentist. Why? Because we are all his church and we are part of a kingdom. How do we find value? We don't find value in the world. We find value in his kingdom through his power. And by the way, if you ever wanna see God move, be the person, man or woman. And it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've done or what you've experienced. Just be someone who's like, okay, God, I'm willing to give my life away. And then, okay, here I am. And then you will experience the fullness of what God has to offer. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So, for his kingdom through his power, and lastly, for his glory. I have three kids. I told you I have a 12-year-old, a, 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 um, which, how's he, nine, and a four-year-old. My son, who's four, was born in 2018. He was born on August 2018. This is random, has nothing to do with anything, but it's interesting. Um, so 8-18 is the year he was born, and he was born on the 18th day. So my son was born 8-18, or 8, excuse me, he was born on the 8th day, 8-8-18, and he was born at 8.18 in the morning. It's wild. The nurse looked at me because I don't want to freak you out, but your son was born at 8.18 at 8.8.18. Anyway, and this little booger, who's four, um, for his birthday this last year, we got, my wife got him a, a bunch of sticky hands. I was going to bring one to the message, but I was driving over here and I forgot him. And Greenville is like 500 hours from where I live, so I just was like, imagine I had a sticky hand right now. And by the way, those who have par- like parents who have kids, it's not the expensive gift you get your kid they play with. It's the cheap one, right? We got them these nice presents. Doesn't care about those. The sticky hands, 
the $5 sticky hands is like the primo thing. So we give him these sticky hands and, and there's these, these little gooey sticky hands that he can fling. In fact, today when I was in the office with my wife getting ready, he got a sticky hand. He said, dad, I turned, flap me upside the face with a sticky hand. Thanks, my friend. That really builds me up. I, I love you too, son. He goes, <laughs> he loves his sticky hands. But when he first got his sticky hands, um, it's a big, a big bag of them. He did something that was unthinkable. We haven't seen very often from him. He reached into his bag and he pulled out a couple sticky hands and he gave some to his brubra, which is his brother, and his shishi, his sister. And as a parent, I was like, oh my goodness, why get a picture? He's sharing without us pushing it. This is a miracle, angels somewhere. And he gets them out and he goes, shishi for you and brubra for you. And do you know what I said? I said, and as a, as a dad, as a parent, I was like, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. I, I often wonder when God looks at his church, what would it be like for two churches with the same heart? We don't compete. Instead of competing, instead of wondering who's the most important or the biggest, what if, what if we actually shared the things that we had? By the way, I think the world needs to actually see the gospel. It's tired of hearing it. How does the world see the gospel? Jesus said in John 17, it sees it when you, and I, when you love each other, when you become one. And I wonder when God looks down at us, you know what my ultimate heart is, is this, is that when God looks down at us, that we would be the kind of church, Greenville, Simpsonville, and then imagine one day if God opens up other places, that instead of wondering who the most important one in the room is, instead of caring about who the biggest is, or who has the best carpet, or who has the best parking lot, or who has the best sound system, by the way, y'all had the better sound system for a while, even when y'all moved in. I was like, that system is awesome. But you know what? I was said, I am so glad Greenville has it. Instead of competing, what if we said, let's share the things that we have. Do you wanna know where Renovation Church is going? That's where we're going. Why? Because when we love each other, do you know what happens? Just like when I saw my son sharing his stuff with his brother and sister, I said, that makes me happy. When we share our stuff as a church, do you know what God says? That makes me happy. So many times we ask God to meet our needs. What if today we said, Father, how can we help you? What, what can we do for you? What if we said, God, how can we help you? How can we help answer a prayer that you have? Jesus' prayer is that we would be one. Well, how do we get that? By stop being stinking selfish. Get over ourselves. Stop complaining. Stop making everything about us and our rights. In our very selfish world, by the way, we'll never find peace because selfishness can never have it. Why? Because only God has it. The Bible says in Philippians that he offers peace that surpasses understanding. By the way, and that passage is Philippians 4, it doesn't mean that we can't understand it. When, it. when it says it passes understanding, it means that we can never reproduce it. The reason why God gives us peace that passes understanding, it really it's saying this, God wants to give you peace that you can never reproduce for yourselves. It's this amazing passage. So here's where we are. We believe as a church wholeheartedly that if we're gonna do this thing called church, and we are the church, that it's about his kingdom, it's not about us, and it's through God's power, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it's for his glory. So I'm gonna read that phrase. Here it is as we wrap up. We believe it is about his kingdom through his power for his church. Right before we launched in the theater, I wanted to quit church for good. I was done with church. This is before Renovation Church started in October of 2014. 
If you've ever been in church for a long time, you know church can sometimes be a painful, hard place. I wanted to quit so bad, I said, I'm out. I've joked about this many times, but if you, if you ever find a perfect church, you don't go there because you're gonna jack that place up. The reason why church is painful is because it's full of people, and guess what? People are broken. And in 2013, I said, God, I'm, I, I, don't, I, I don't even want to step foot inside of a church, any church. And God just said, Jeremy, it's not about you. I have a path for you to walk. I have a path for you to follow. And I wrestled with God to the core of my soul. I said, God, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I didn't. I would have given anything to be out. But God said, this is the path I have. I said, okay, God. I could, if I could go back in time, right? It's 2022 right now. If I could go back in time to that Jeremy, all the way back in, in 2013, 2014, before we launched, I would go back and I would say, follow Jesus because the next eight years of your life, you're gonna see a church start in a theater. You're gonna see it go to a permanent location. You're gonna see literally hundreds of people give their lives to Christ. You're gonna see missions happen. You're gonna see community stuff happen. You're gonna see, we have a program that takes care of widows at our church. This fall, what we're gonna be doing is going into the widows' homes and cutting their grass and doing landscaping for them, things they can't do for themselves. How awesome is that? We're gonna be sending mission teams overseas I would go back and I would say, Jeremy, hold on. Why? Because if you give your life away, if you do what God wants over what you want, you're gonna see him move and you will actually find it. By the way, I held on. Renovation Church started and I wouldn't trade where I am for anything else in the world, anything. But the question's in front of you and I to still. Do you wanna find life? Do you wanna experience something real? It's not about you then. It's about his kingdom in the upstate, in Greenville, Taylor's Traveler's Rest. It's about his kingdom through his power for his glory. And if you do it, I promise you, you will find life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much because there's no one who is like you. No one, honestly, God can compare. And I pray, Lord, as Greenville continues to become the church that you've asked Greenville to be, Lord, as we continue to grow and mature and as we continue to just honestly, Lord, trust you. I pray that this place will be a place that is full of kingdom-mindedness, that we would think greatly about your kingdom. It would never be about us. It would never be about our name, our strength, our ability. It would be about you, Jesus. You, the king, sits on a throne that is unshakable and that we all the people in this room, regardless of how we came or what we've experienced in life, could find ourselves trusting and hoping in you to such a way that we would give our life into your hands, trusting you that our life in your hands is always better than our life in our own hands. And then, God, believing that we will find it. That's where we're gonna find life. So I thank you for this place. I thank you for the volunteers. I thank you for the heart. I pray that this place would be full of kingdom-mindedness, Lord, and that you would allow Simpsonville and Greenville to love each other and to walk in love and unity in such a way, Lord, that the world looks at that and says, wow, I want what they have. And that what we have, Lord, is you. So we thank you for this day. We thank you for this amazing place. Your wonderful name, I pray these things. Amen and amen. Church, we love you. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy football. We'll see you guys next week. God bless. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.